This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Casey Cheshire. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization, this is Leadership in Action. We are rocking and rolling right now. I am so excited. This is an episode that uh, you will never know how hard we work to make this show happen. <laughs> the guests and I, we uh, we are now tech experts and we got this thing working uh, and we we're excited to get going. Oh, who is this person you're talking to, Casey? Well, let me let me tell you about him. He's an entrepreneur, a leader, and he's also an expert in the idea of retail development, an adjunct professor at NYU. Um, the Institute of Real Estate partner at Urban Phoenix and Drive Through Development LLC, Mark Massia. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Yeah. So let's just dive right into this. What is a common misconception about leadership or being an entrepreneur? Yeah. So I think the lack of support structures around a CEO and sort of like I call it the CEO's alone hero or kind of on an island uh, without the support um, or being the smartest person in the room, that that myth of of the lone hero is really the way I look at that. Yeah, the smartest person and the lone hero. I like how you put that. Um, it, it, what does that What does that look like when you're this? How's this myth describes? Yeah, I mean, I think when I started, you know, after um, school, I was working with other people and would always see these kind of mythic CEOs at these big companies with big personalities and seemed like they had all the answers figured out. And so that's just kind of whether I constructed that or that was the thing that they were constructing around themselves. And then as I got off and started my own company, I was like, well, this is how it has to be. And uh, that's what I tried to follow and and uh, found it didn't work so great, <laughs> at least for me. So it was that's kind of how it came to be. I had these really great, you know, CEO leaders that I thought the world of and, and were doing amazing things and then just thought that was, you know, just them, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look up to them. They're so smart. You idealize them. Maybe you just haven't worked for enough terrible CEOs. <laughs> <laughs> True. Could be. Could be. Definitely. Yeah. I may or may not have worked for at least two of them. <laughs> you can look through my LinkedIn history. Yeah. It's very long. You'd never yeah, figure yeah. out who they are. I was going to but... say, I hope you've worked for more than two companies and we're going to be in <laughs> yeah, trouble. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, and so why does this myth even happen? We we, we idolize these people, we look up at them, but then when you get into that seat yourself, you real, you, you kind of keep doing it, but you realize it just, it, it's not sustainable. Yeah. I, I also think there's a lot around like the perpetuation of like, I don't know if I don't want to say self-importance or like infallibility or, you know, like a lot of leaders, they don't want to admit that they have challenges because they worry that everybody else wouldn't follow them or whatever the case may be in that respect. So like, even when I would search out other entrepreneurial leaders, like less, huge business leaders and more just kind of small or medium sized business leaders, it'd be the same thing. It would be that same kind of facade of everything's great and I have everything figured out and nothing could ever be wrong and I'm perfect. And it's like, um, I, I definitely think there's some of that, that, you know, it's kind of like the puffing and, and whatever and seeming invincible. So you don't go attack them in business and other ways, but I don't know. I mean, it definitely, <laughs> I understand it. It makes sense, but it definitely was not helpful for me in multiple different ways, both in peer group exercises and in just my own personal life. Man, I love how we, we can just hop right into this and zero in on this, this deep need of not only feeling important and creating a company, maybe just so you can feel accepted by someone, but then the idea that maybe dot, 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 people won't follow you if you show your vulnerability. Right. If you're, if you're invincible, they'll follow you. If you show a little bit of weakness in our minds, we're thinking they're all going to leave me. 
and maybe right. in a pirate ship they're going to kill you <laughs> you're the pirate captain <laughs> but maybe that's not the case and it's that weird balance of you know i've got the flag follow me don't worry we'll make it and um, when when can you be vulnerable and when can you show doubt you show is not never doubt but vulnerable or how have you kind of figured that part out yeah i mean certainly uh peer group support like eo and i have my own like real estate uh, executive leadership group that i get together with uh, on a regular basis and in those environments being being vulnerable was the most important thing to me uh meaning it, it's where i've grown the most and learned the most about myself and others and gotten help and support yeah. um but yeah, at work, I mean, it's still difficult. I think I've found it more through instead of having the answers, uh, letting other smart people around me kind of come to their own conclusions, even if they aren't my conclusion, as long as we're heading in the direction that makes sense. I almost look at it like with my own kids, you know, it's like as long as they're not going to like physically harm themselves for good, I'll kind of let them do what they need to do. And, you know, if they fall and hurt themselves, that's that's how they learn. And, and as long as it's not going to be catastrophe. Uh, and that's kind of the same with the company. I used to have a much more kind of controlling fear-based approach to things and be like, it's got to be this way because I've seen it go 50 other ways and it doesn't work. And here's all the mistakes I'm helping you avoid. And that sounds great uh, learning from that experience, but the reality is you end up basically micromanaging and that's not a real solution either. So I think it's right. kind of having that balance of like letting go and letting them, you know, have the, the you know, the, the free reign to do within reason what they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's zero in on that, that aspect you brought up around um, knowing everything and also not being the smartest person at the table in the room. Uh, why is that so critical? And then how did you develop that? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's in some ways I, I kind of thought about this in like four different parts and the yeah. one was like a work support team. Uh, one was a self-improvement kind of support team. One was a community uh, which essentially is a support of community and then the personal relationships level. That's what's worked for me, the framework in my life. And from a work uh, support team level, which is kind of the question that you specifically asked, um, I've always, since I was real young, looked to hire, even my very first job, looked to hire people that were exceptionally smart and much smarter and more knowledgeable and experienced than I was. And in some respects, I got lucky because that was out of necessity. Like I was thrown into running a $50 million project, my first project, and I literally had no idea what I was doing. And so I was like, if I don't get a bunch of people who do know what they're doing, this is going to go very badly. <laughs> and what I found was it was really easy. It was you know much easier to go to them and be like, hey, you're a smart person, you're an experienced person. What do you think when they would pose me uh, you know, a problem or a challenge? I'd be like, well, how would you solve this problem or challenge? And then it, even if I didn't always go with that direction, it gave me like really good basis for understanding a possible solution that was based in experience and, and knowledge, not based in, you know, my just coming up with it off the cuff. Um, and it really, looking back, at, I guess it was humbling, but I didn't really look at it that way. I looked at it as like learning. Like I always felt like there were, everybody else can teach me something. Like you taught me a lot about podcasting today and I didn't know about yeah. that, right? So someone can always teach me something. I just try to look for that. Uh, and then fill those people into the roles that they're, you know, responsible for, um, I think was really helpful. Yeah. And the way I like how you said that you can either, I mean, humbling, but if you turn into a learning opportunity, then it's a great lesson learned. Um, yeah. And yeah, I guess one of the challenges though, with hiring people that are smarter than you is how do you, how do you know if they are, if it is a good idea or not, or just because they know more than you do, you just go with them on it. You mentioned one time not going with the idea that you're 
expert had talked about. How did you make that call? Yeah, I mean, because I think the way that I look at that, like at that time I was project management. So I was in charge of the whole project and they were in charge of a part. And now I'm in charge of the whole company and the people that I hire are in charge of a part. So uh-huh. it's more of like a believability weighted decision making criteria where I say like, okay, this particular thing that they see, they're an expert and they're right in that particular thing, but they don't understand X, Y, and Z. That's a knock on effect or another department or something that will happen a year later that they're not involved in. And so then I have to step back and say, well, how does that fit in the framework of that? And I either, you know, we'll, we'll pitch that back to them and say, well, in, in light of this, would you still make that same decision if I think that they can kind of think that way? Or, or I might just internalize it and say, okay, well, this is one of those instances where I don't think this will have the same effect that they're initially thinking about. And that's really what I view as my responsibility is to take the information and then make a decision. And like truly probably 80% of the time, it's whatever they said, because they're the experts, but you know, sometimes there's that tweak needed where I'm just like, I see something they don't see, or it's not their responsibility to see. It's not even that they're not capable of seeing it. It's just not their job. It's not their job. Right. And, and that gets me thinking it is the CEO's job to see the forest from the trees. Right. And we've got different departments looking at different parts of the forest. Um, but other than maybe marketing, which tends to cover everything too, and sees the forest, usually everyone's kind of, and you want them kind of zeroed in on their, their aspect, right? Sales is selling and, uh, you know, product is building and ops is operating and like finance is doing fine. You don't need finance, you know, doing branding design usually. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of want them being experts in a, in a narrow focus, but, but the reason, you know, we're these crazy people, they call CEOs and entrepreneurs and business leaders is we kind of not so good at every tree, but man, we can see the big picture and we see the waterfall in the distance with the rainbow and we want to get there. So yeah, that's sure. a, that's a really good point around. It's not even their job or responsibility. It's it, now it's up to us to say, how do all these things connect? Yep. hundred percent. That's amazing. What was the second one? You said you have work support, uh, self-improvement support. And okay. so that, that is like really executive coach, which kind of is a work support thing. I also look at it as a personal support thing. Cause there's a lot yeah. of mental game stuff that, that you do, you bring to work that you need to work on. Uh, I, I personally have a therapist uh, for mental health and I find that to be extremely helpful, both for my relationships, uh, personally and just kind of my own, you know, well-being. And then a physical health coach is the other self-improvement aspect that I look at there where I'm saying, you know, we're all super busy and it's hard to keep track of everything. And, you know, sometimes it's just tweaking around your lifestyle instead of being like, you have to be at the gym five hours a day and do this and do that, which is not realistic. It's someone that can help you kind of craft something that works for your lifestyle, but still keeps you in, you know, the best health that you possibly can be within reason. So that's the kind of self-improvement side which I think is another huge piece of, I mean, this is really like talking about your whole self, right? It's saying, you know, work is a big part of what we do, but it's not the only thing we do. And if we're not taking care of the other parts, I can't be good at work. You know what I mean? If I'm not good mentally, I'm not going to be good at work no matter what. Yeah. Cause that other part will, will throw a tantrum that's not getting taken care of. (laughs) And that will take work, work self and professional self and family self. And it'll run it off a cliff by saying, okay, I'm, I'm out, I'm going, I'm driving. <laughs> you don't want to neglect any of those parts, right? You guys, exactly. But I love what you did here. And, and I really was excited to talk to you about this because the idea of even just having an executive coach, I think a lot of CEOs are starting to see the benefit of that. But then I think you and I both experienced this where you, you have success with one coach in one particular aspect. And maybe they kind of, they're almost generalist because you didn't have the other pros, right? So mm-hmm. they're kind of asking you questions about everything, but then it's like, man, it worked for this one. 
who else can I hire right. to sort of be in my own personal room? You know, so you've got the boardroom, but you got your own personal yeah. room. Who else can I hire to to place around me in order to give me, you know, to take care of each of those parts yeah. so that even if I forget to take care of them, I've got something on the calendar and I know someone's going to ask me questions about that particular part of me and whether I want to talk about it or not. Like that's so good to surround yourself with those resources. Yeah, no, Casey, that brings up an excellent point. I mean, a lot of this ends up just being space to allow yourself to talk about it or think about it, right? Because a lot of times we get so busy and caught up. And that's one of the things I love about, you know, some of the EO cadence and accelerator and some of these other programs where it's like, if you put it on your schedule, you, you do it and you make it happen, amazing things will happen. If you say, yeah, yeah, I know about it, I'll get to it, da, 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 and you don't do it, you know, you'll miss out on huge opportunities. And that, you know, that th whether it's the therapist session or my health coach or just those check-ins, it's that accountability, it's that reminder, it's that space to think about it. And in some ways, almost more than their advice. Like I'm not saying they're the world-class best at everything. I'm not hiring like a world-class athlete to teach me how to be physically healthy. Or, or like a retired Navy SEAL or right. Like <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. I mean, sure, that could be better, but that's not even what I, I don't even think you need to start there. I think you just need no. to get the, the support. Yeah. And I think something about having another human doing that with you, you could, you know, I can put calendar invites all day yeah. on my calendar to go to the gym, but when I know that people or persons or whoever are going to be looking for me, or they're actually going to be like, Hey, where are you at? You know, right, I'm going right. to, you know, I'm not going to stand them up. You know, and so because that's another level of, of commitment It's yeah. like, OK, well, am I going to skip today or am I on any aspect, not even just the gym on any of these aspects? Am I going to skip today and I got to let them know it's that base level accountability of just having another human, literally another person who says for next hour or so, we're going to talk about that aspect of you. Yeah, exactly. Much easier to dismiss a calendar invite on my phone than it is to dismiss a person. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. When there's someone added to that thing, that's yeah. a little different. Than, <laughs> yeah. You know, I created this the other day when I was feeling kind of gung ho, and I don't. Uh, I'm gonna sleep in. Say, oh, no, no, right. no. Yeah, yeah. Like they're gonna be there. They're gonna be yeah. on that call. They're gonna Waiting. call you. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. I, I one of my coaches. Uh, I'm I'm almost always like a minute late to the call. And so she'll call and I'll be like, uh, you know, be right there in shake of a lamb's tail or something. And so now, uh, I'll just send like a sheep at her. <laughs> and then if I'm late, you know, she'll send me a sheep and with a question mark and I'm like, yep, shake of a lamb's tail. I'll be right I like there. it. I like it. Um, but you're, you're something about that. So, so you've, you've collected, uh, collected, right. You, you found great things to surround yourself in all these different aspects. Do you have any particular stories of some successes that have come from working with these different people? Uh, yeah, I mean, tons. I, um, I had a business that I ran for 12 years and it ended kind of badly with a big partnership dispute and, and dissolving a thing that was not it was pretty much like a bad divorce. Oh, it sounds uh, painful. You know, yeah. thank God I didn't have a bad divorce. I have a great wife that I love and we've got a good relationship. <laughs> Sometimes those but... come in pairs. So you really lucked out. <laughs> I, yeah. I, got, I did get very lucky, very lucky. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the business divorce and coming out of that, um, you know, there's a lot of trauma psychologically, business-wise, there's a lot of different things oh, yeah. that were kind of going on that was mostly mental and kind of the startup of that and finding the right people and kind of, you know, eliminating the baggage of like, okay, these people are not the people I want to be associated with. So you know, at that time when we, we basically, I had no business, I had started over and I hired, that was our first time we hired a full-time executive coach. So I had no, no income from the business. I had no actual business. We just were like, this is something we need to do to build this correctly. Um, and both the coach and my therapist at that time, uh, individually were really helping craft that from a, 
okay, if all things are possible and this is what we want to do and how do we want to see this, it was like just helping me eliminate all the kind of negativity or thought process that wasn't working and just seeing what's possible and going towards that and getting excited about it and, and building towards that future that I was excited about. Cause after, you know, after you get kicked in the, in the junk a few times, like it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to turn right around and be like, Oh, it's going to be fine again. You know, it's like, that's what entrepreneurs about all the time, but you get really, really beat down at the end. And then it was like hard to get back up. And they, I mean, within, within a year we had gone past where we were and, you know, with the old company have a much better team. So everything is now firing on all cylinders, but that, that I don't think would have happened in that time frame had I not had that support. Definitely. Yeah. There's something about, you know, just kind of being able to reflect on when things don't go right with someone, you know, kind yeah. of a safe environment, someone who uh, I think with these coaches, oftentimes the, the benefit is they're not immediate family members or company members or whatnot so they don't really have what is that they don't have any kind of um connection to you or desire for you to they don't have any sort of bias that they yeah. want you to go this way they're like dude whatever yeah, you know, yeah i want you to be successful you say you want to run this try cool i want to help you get there like whatever your goal is that's your goal and they don't really have that preconceived notion of what you should do so just being able to tell them what's up can be really helpful yeah. you know it's funny in it fits for fitness. It fits for mental health. It fits for business health. It fits for hey, marriage health. You know, yeah. All these things, just having someone that you can bounce these things off of. But I found with me, oftentimes it was even, it wasn't even the, the negative things. I'll bring that up all day. It was, it was actually celebrating the positives True. that I needed someone to sort of like, Hey, wait a second. Did you literally just close that company down and open up this other one and like, just invent millions in revenue just like that like yeah that's amazing and you're like yeah 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 you know that is kind of amazing i never really thought about that you know i was just so busy going from one thing to the next that you know it kind of helps to have someone say, just pause that was cool and you're like yeah. yeah thank you that was cool yeah no casey that's i mean unbelievably you're right that probably scratched what i said and just double down on what you said i think that has been the most important thing i think as entrepreneurs at least everybody i've known we're all super hard on ourselves like we're pushers yeah. and we're always looking to the next thing and it's like it gets us to where we go. So it's an amazing thing, but it's also a terrible thing in that it doesn't help us appreciate the present and what we've achieved and all these things that we've accomplished. And I think that's been hundred percent the most valuable thing, right? Because if you can't, if you can't to some degree celebrate your wins, like what's it all about? Like, what's yeah, the point? you know, <laughs> truly, <laughs> totally, man. You know, it's, it's funny when it's so much easier to build an issues list than it is a success yeah. or wins list. It's horrible. You're like, Oh, what went wrong this week? Oh, let me tell you about what went wrong this week. <laughs> Hey, what went right this week? Yeah. That's a good question. I got to think about that one. Like, yeah, like something definitely did, but I don't remember. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Well, you know, you've mentioned different communities that you reach out to and, and, and building different coaches around you. Um, you said you, you got a health coach or you like a fitness coach as well, or. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one's really a weirdly is just my father who's a doctor. Um, oh, cool. so he kind of has helped me a lot with, uh, things that I've, you know, we have similar, body types and he's been healthy and, and really fit his whole life. And so that's been a really big help where I just kind of cheated instead yeah. of having to go out, out of it. He's like someone who knows me really well, knows my yeah, motivations, yeah, yeah. knows my weak points and was able to help me. Uh, and it's more holistic. It's food. It's, you know, it's exercise. It's the whole thing. So nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah I mean, you're right. It could be anyone. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a pro or someone. It, I remember when I was uh, sort of still in the rising through the ranks, you know, it was like my boss actually. Yeah. He was like, Hey, you know, I do yoga over here at the gym. 
Um, like you want to, you want to come with, like you join the gym too. Okay. So I'm getting up at five, meeting this guy, like five, five thirty, and yeah, we're a bunch of idiots in sweatpants, you know, right. all the, all the good looking people doing yoga the right way. And I'm just like completely terrorizing it, but <laughs> you know, it was another person in this case, my boss, I'm not gonna like stand him up. So yeah, real accountability there. Yeah. Gonna go, go to yoga in the morning. And yeah. And then, you know, we'd work out and do some weights afterward, but yeah, it could be anyone, right? It doesn't, but, but finding another person can be really helpful in that regard. Definitely. Cool. Well, um, have you, have you done, I guess when you're doing all these things, you might have a lot of time for reading or audio books. Do you have any most recommended book? Um, yeah. Principles by Ray Dalio. Oh yeah. The last kind of five years has been one of my like almost Bibles for lack of a better way of looking at it. It's just been super helpful in all aspects of business and, and personal life. Uh, so I really love that. And I love the way he thinks about things. I mean, some of it's not earth shattering, just the way it's presented is also really helpful. Yeah. Um, I love, I love that he, he had learned a lesson in life and then wrote it down. Yeah. Like, I wish I had the, the, the fortitude or the self-discipline to do that because like you would, you would accumulate quite a few lessons. Sure. Do you have any particular takeaways from that book? Cause he, he had so many principles and lessons. Um, um yeah, no, I mean, a million, the, the one that kind of really salient made salient the most in my head thing that I was already kind of doing, but it really helped me express it to other people is that, um, believability weighted decision-making, which is essentially saying like, it's not just about, you know, who's supposed to make this decision or who, you know, who is the loudest about this opinion or who's the CEO in this situation. It's like, okay, if I don't know the most about this topic and we're making a decision and someone else in the room does, theirs should be weighted higher than mine uh, in terms of deciding what's what. And that has been immensely helpful because that, that is how I run my daily life in personal and, and business. Um, but a lot of people kind of follow hierarchy or follow age or follow whatever. And it, I think it's a real mistake because there's just, like I said, you, you can learn from anyone and it's a matter of who are you learning from? You don't want to just, you don't want to learn from anyone who doesn't know what they're talking about, but you want to learn from the people who know what they're experts in, you know, in that field. How do you apply that? How do you apply that practically in your business? Is it just a matter of just listening more to other people or do you, cause I know he goes hardcore on like systems and voting internally about who, who yeah. who's believable and who, who should make the system. But like, how have you sort of applied that? Yeah. I mean, it, it's been more of a, of a testing process. So yeah. if, if I know that person and like, you know, if I'm in, we do a lot with architecture and buildings, like that's what we do for a living. And so if I'm interviewing somebody about a design aspect and the architect says, you know, this is an opinion that they have. Well, they're my go-to expert for design decisions. Whereas if one of my project managers or construction guys come up with something and they say, you know, this is, this is what this needs to be designed like, you know, there it's clear that who fits into what role for what, for what job, right? So versus a constructability question is more geared towards the construction person. So I think there's some of it where it's just like, and then bringing that to the table, the hardest part, in my opinion, is bringing that to the table without offending people. Cause a lot of times you have to be like, Hey, I know you have that opinion and you feel very strongly about it. And you seem pretty certain you're right, but here's this other person who's more believable than you. And they are right. And we're going to go with that, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest thing without really offending people. But I, I think when you think about it in that framework and you get everybody buy into it, it becomes a lot easier. It's definitely hard in the beginning when people think like they're being slighted because they're the most senior person on the team or they're the internal person. You're supposed to take care of them over these external people. But I think if you focus on on the, you know, the knowledge aspect of it, it becomes a little easier. It sounds like that really has to be rooted you know, in some kind of core value, some kind of culture that you have 
you know, Ray's company and, you know, it sounds like yours as well, where people are okay. Like their, their internal confidence, self-worth at a company isn't necessarily if all their, their ideas are being, you know, chosen or not. Right. It's like, no, you're hitting all your, your key, you know, indicators. So you're good, but like bring your ideas to the table. They may or may not be taken, but they're appreciated. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And it, like, that's why I say it's, it's a balance between how you affect that. And, and sometimes, by the way, it's not always just the person who has the most experience or, or it's also like the research, right? Sometimes someone yeah. will be lazy because they have the experience and things have changed, you know, like yeah. tastes have changed or, you know, like social media changed. And then your marketing person is, you know, used to doing things in print and they're like not in touch with it. And some younger person will say, Hey, this is where all of our customers are coming from. And here's the proof. And you have to yeah. go in that direction, you know, that, that kind of thing. You know, I think we should really advertise on America Online. That's, that's right. kind of like what we should be doing. Like, I've been using AOL for years and I, you know. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. I love it. You know, I've always, I've always teased my, my dad, you know, he still has an AOL address. I'm like, dad, that, that's like several generations ago. Like yeah. you can't, you can't, you got to use your Gmail here. You got to use yeah, your yeah. Gmail. He's like, why do I keep getting all the spam on my AOL address? I'm like, I know, I know. Yeah. Use your Gmail. <laughs> they clean that out for you, man. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's all about being able to adjust with things and, and even ourselves check ourselves to make sure that we're not stuck in some experience gap where, yeah, that's how it was back then, you know, but now, nowadays it's not, we're not still on WebEx, you know, right, right exactly. <laughs> or gold mine yeah. people. Uh, that's just a shout out for Peter and a few other people on gold mine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it's staying with the times and, and the latest in technology and all those things. Yeah. Crazy. Um, well, what about the future? What's coming around the corner that you're excited about? You're seeing all these different changes. Yeah. What's got I, you mean, jazzed? Uh, I mean, excited about kind of coming out of all this pandemic and getting back to normal one. Yeah. And then also just kind of uh, real estate in our world is becoming truly the third mainstream asset. So it was always stocks and bonds historically. And real estate was kind of an, it still is considered an alternative, which means it's kind of like a riskier tertiary asset class. And now it's becoming more of the mainstream. Um, and that has a tons of different effects, both on you know, listeners, personal accounts in terms of like their exposure to real estate, which was opened up a lot more opportunities, but also in terms of like what we can do as practitioners of investment grade real estate and, and what we can offer to them and who we can offer it to and all those kind of things. So it's, it's been really, it's been going on for a while, but it just keeps going and going. And I'm really excited about what that means for pretty much everybody in the U S what does it mean for for everyone in the US? Yeah, I mean, one is accessibility. I mean, in the past, mm. it was either you expose uh, your portfolio to REITs, you know, publicly traded companies that have real estate, which is, you know, somewhat good. It's, you know, there's some value there, um, right. but but pretty, pretty uh, removed from the real world. Or it's like your, your house flips or your home, second home, that kind of thing. So which is also kind of like too far invested in heavily in one asset in one location. Now with, with the, you know, kind of advent of a lot of different democratization avenues, whether it's like crowdfunding or whether it's just through like legal offerings that we're allowed to do now from the SEC um, that we weren't able to do, we can get a lot more kind of quote unquote regular people involved in really exciting and, and financially lucrative things that only like private equity or large, you know, huge companies were allowed to do in the past. So I think that's really awesome, like both for us to get access to regular people who really appreciate what we're doing uh, and for the investors who are getting, you know, the ability to build their portfolio in a way that's more understandable for them, for lack of a better way of looking at it. Yeah. Those doors are opening up and more opportunity for more people. It's, it's very interesting to the ability that now a lot of people can, can really invest their money in different ways. And 
yeah. real estate is definitely that thing. I have I haven't crossed that gap yet, but you know, being a podcast like this have really helped sort of shape my mind in that direction. Um, so sure. yeah, it definitely seems like one of those classes I got to get into. I just can't put all my money in Tesla, you know. Right. I got I got <laughs> to diversify a little bit, you know. You know. Yeah. Though, uh, you know, in Elon, we trust, but still I got to make sure I'm <laughs> diversifying and uh, all that kind of thing. So this is, this is good. This is really good. Um, next thought, kind of transition a little bit, but I'm really curious, like, who are you? Who are, how do you know all these things? You know, can you take me back in time to like little Mark days? Did yeah. you always know you're going to be a uh, you know, real estate tycoon, mogul, entrepreneur, no. um, <laughs> doing all these things, making all these investments, reading all these books? Yeah. About, what was it like? Yeah. When, I mean, when I was young, my dad was always very interested in business. Uh, he used to take me, you know, before the internet back to the library to research stock companies and, and things with the books. Uh, and so that, that was kind of the introduction to business and it kind of kept going ever since my dad and I would always talk about that. But my mom was really influ uh, influential in my real estate uh, kind of love, my love for just buildings and architecture. We used to go to her construction sites all the time when I was a kid, she'd kind of, you know, open this open the gate enough so we could sneak in and then we'd walk what, around what, these constructions. Was sites. she a, a cat burglar or was she an architect? Yeah. <laughs> it kind of, none of the, none of the above. She none was more of like a construction voyeur for lack of a better way. Really? Um, you guys are like sneaking to construction sites. Yeah. Yeah. It, wow. I mean, it was real little and, uh, and we would do that. And ever since, and even now, you know, she'll like look in windows and try to figure out like, just like yeah, the way things are put together. And it, it's just this real curiosity and love for love for buildings and spaces. And that, you know, rubbed off on me in a big way and, and was always like a passion, but didn't really know how to make a career of it. When I was in school, right. they didn't have majors for that. Now they do. But at the time it was kind of like, okay, I have no idea. And my, my dad, as I mentioned, was a doctor. So I was like, well, that just seems like something I actually could be good at and understand and was good at science and math and those kind of things. So I was pre-med uh, through college. And then at the end, I kind of was like, I hate basic sciences and I don't want to, like, I want to help people. I don't want to help molecules. And so, right. um, I dropped out of that and transitioned into tech and entrepreneurship. Those were the majors that I finished with. And I, um, right after school was looking for opportunities and, uh, stumbled into a, uh, $50 million project with a family office as a development. And that was exactly what I wanted to do and had no idea how to do that. And just kind of got extremely lucky doing that. So worked for a small private company learning, you know, learning trial by fire, um, and was amazing. Like learned 20 years of experience in like a couple of years wow. uh, and just kept parlaying that into larger and larger companies. So I worked for, you know, a large company uh, in DC after that, and then worked for a publicly traded company in New York doing $500 million projects in, in New York city. And then parlayed that into an international real estate development company doing projects in Abu Dhabi and other places. And so kind of just was always looking for, you know, the next place I'm going to go, I'm going to learn more. I'm going to learn more, going to see how it all works. And then just keep kind of gathering that information, knowing that I eventually want to start my own company. I was like, well, if I get all this experience, I'll be able to do what I want to do on my own. Um, started getting my real estate masters, uh, in finance while I was finishing, while I was kind of at my last job that I ended up working. And when I finished my masters, I quit my job and started my own company. So that was around 2008. And what was that experience like for you? Quitting the job and launching out on your own. 
I mean, it was the most insane thing ever because it was 2008, 2009. So the financial crisis was going on. So my boss, I wasn't even like I quit almost like my boss was like, thank God, because the company's <laughs> going to be shut down. And then I was going like, to lay you off anyway. anyway. So, so, yeah, yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of good because I really did like all the companies I worked for. I had really good experiences. So I didn't ever want to let anybody down when I quit and worked those other places. So that was the good part. Right. The bad part was, yeah, obviously, like the financial crisis hit and I was trying to get people to buy you know, New York city properties at one sixteenth of where they're selling now. And everybody thought I was crazy. They were like, this is the worst. It's going to get so much worse than this and da, 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 da. And so, you know, it was very frustrating because I saw all these opportunities and everyone was too terrified to actually take the plunge and do anything about them. At least people I was talking to. So it felt like a bunch of missed opportunities and kind of a very frustrating kind of low income kind of lean years during the financial crisis. Um, but, you know, I was proud of myself for doing it and making it through and kind of not losing anybody any money, which was a big part of it was, you know, yeah. making sure that I was taking care of my investors. So, you know, it was, it was great. It was brutal. And I would never wish that upon anybody, but <laughs> you know, I survived. So it's all good. Hey, and you made it through. And yeah. I think, you know, and that, that shows you really had built up that experience over the, the prior years that you're able to. If you can get through that kind of a yeah you know, the the winter season, then you can get through anything. Right? <laughs> that's 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 what I'm told. Yes, yeah. so true. Well, <laughs> have a bit of a hypothetical question for you. Yeah, because see, I may or may not have a time machine. Oh, okay, and it's actually in, in my backyard at home in Nashua. It's okay. it's in, covered in a tarp. You know, <laughs> got some snow on it right now. But let's say yeah. you come up and visit. We get some beers. We get some lobster, and then we use the time machine, right? And you get to go back in time in particular. It's a particular time machine. It's very, very, uh, it's very uh, picky. It's a picky time machine. It goes back and you get to meet yourself uh, right after that undergrad graduate. Mm -hmm. and did you, did you end up doing a pre-med undergrad or did you bounce beforehand? Yeah, I didn't finish and I switched majors before. So I got halfway through. Yeah. Okay. So you, but you get to meet yourself after graduating. Mm -hmm. Um and, and you get to talk to yourself. Don't worry. You won't mess up the space time. Continuum. <laughs> You'll be good. Right. You're not the flash. It's okay. okay. Yeah. Um, what would you say to yourself? Would you give yourself any advice, any stock tips? What would you tell yourself? <laughs> I think um, being real with people and kind of being more vulnerable with the people that are closest to you. I've always kept myself, you know, with a very close knit group of uh, small, but, but tight friendships and, uh, you know, EO is a good extension of that where it's people that you know, it's not a huge group, but um, it's people that have a lot of similarity community. And and basically what I learned there was the being real and being open, being honest and transparent and vulnerable. Um, I'm able to help a lot of people, but I'm also able to receive help in a way that I wasn't able to in the past, um, you know, by putting up those barriers. So similar back to what I said before that lone CEO kind of, you know, thinking I have to do it all myself uh, didn't allow me to as you know, receive a lot of help that people were interested in giving and were capable of giving, but I wasn't able to receive. So I think that was something that would have saved me a lot of grief along the way. Wow. Interesting. Like that kind of clicked for me that when tying all the way back to the beginning, when you think that you're supposed to know everything or think you do know everything, then you don't receive the help because you're not open to it. Yeah. Even if you have all the smart people there. You're not, it's not there. But as soon as you said you were open, you're honest, you're transparent, you're a little bit vulnerable, that allowed you to then receive the help. Like the reward for that was receiving that help, yep. you know, for those challenging problems you had. So that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, man, where can people reach out if they want to connect with you professionally? 
Yeah. Um, All that link, good stuff. LinkedIn's our most active social media channel. Um, and then our website is uh, urbnphx.com. It stands for Urban Phoenix. And um, yeah, those, those are kind of the best ways to reach out. Awesome, man. Well, this has been really fun. I don't, <laughs> we had some craziness at the beginning, but man, we really got right into it and you know, had a chance to talk about um, you know, all that stuff at the beginning, the middle end. I don't know. Thank you for being here is I guess what I'm trying to say. Thank you, Casey. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. And for those people listening, if you learned something and I freaking know you did, cause I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back, right. <laughs> then, then share this with someone else. Be a thought leader. That's how you're a thought leaders just by sharing content with one person. Hey, I heard X, Y, and Z. Um, and we talked about so many different things like the idea of surrounding yourself with coaches and people who can support your mental, your physical, your business health. Uh, is so critical, not having to be the smartest person. You don't have to be that lone hero. Um, in fact, your team around you is really the hero. So, um, man, this is great, mate. Mark, thank you again. Thank you. All right, everyone. This has been another exciting episode of Leadership in Action. We will catch you all next time. Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston Chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. As the world's only peer-to-peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.